0: Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Every Rocky Ever, a Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, part of Fans First Sports Network, dedicated to celebrating Rockies history. And normally this show is all about celebrating players but we're shifting away from that in this one for a special one, very impactful one. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, joined here always by my life, lifetime Rockies fan. It's my brother, Dustin Timmons. Hello, hello. Howdy, howdy. So, like we were saying, we usually focus on, on, uh, on players. That's the main focus of this one. But when it comes to the Rockies, it goes beyond... The players that can be considered under the every Rocky ever, right, Dustin?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And so we went we went this route with the manager uh, because he, you know the first manager, the really for me the first guy coach that I think of when the when I think about the Rockies, he's the one that I grew up with seeing, and it's one that. I wish I knew more about his story mm-hmm. before, because it was all after that I realized what an amazing career and life in baseball this guy had.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about the Rockies' very first manager, Mr. Don Baylor himself, Groove, as he was called, and during his playing days. And before we get into his break, I was in that same boat, Dustin, because he was kind of well before my time, and yeah, he was a hitting coach a couple of years. That's when I remembered hearing the name, like, oh, Dom Baylor used to manage. Oh, no he's the hitting coach for a couple of years. But I didn't really understand who he, his life story and his playing career, and as well as his coaching career and the impact he had wherever he went, until I wrote a, a three-part article series for Purple Row in 2022. Was twenty twenty two or no? It was twenty twenty three. Time flies. Early last year is for February for Black History Month. That's who who better to talk about than an influential individual than Don Baylor in team history? And we're kicking around other player ideas, which we'll get to in, in other episodes. But figured Don Baylor he, he deserves an episode all of his own, just like that that article series.
1: Yeah, that's with, with, with Don Baylor and, and I, when you brought this up, I was like, oh yeah, we can just, we can pretty much just read your article from last year on the <laughs> row. Cause it, it was, it was cool. Cause it broke down his, his whole career. Uh, you know, his youth going to, to high school, to college where he was just a, an amazing athlete, um, getting into the majors and going through those struggles that he had, um, you know, in the minors or as a young major leaguer, and that playing career, and then the manager part, uh, the coaching Don Baylor, that I think had a huge impact on a lot of big name players, and mm-hmm. with the teams that he was involved with, and I think it's it's he's a he's a really good one because as you, as you said for this month, um, black history month, and I think it would, you know, all those, all those things factored into, Hey, let's, let's talk about Don Baylor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really influential seven. He impacted a ton of teams, not just the Rockies. And we'll probably focus more on the Rockies and his legacy there, but he had, he had his hands in that Rockies history, even before he suited up in purple. Which is uh, pretty interesting with some cool little interactions that he had to help mold the team identity, especially in those early days. But uh, might as well hop right into it. And Dustin's got his entire playing career stats and some of those managerial things. So take it away.
1: All right. Don Baylor, who pretty much was a designated hitter. But also played left field, a little first base, and batted right. Drew right from Austin, Texas. And he started his his baseball career being drafted by the Orioles in the second round of the nineteen sixty seven amateur draft. And that was that was out of high school. Uh, and he made his major league debut in nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. And so he played for you know several teams in his in his careers with Baltimore, with Oakland. The Angels, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Twins, and finished out his career in Oakland. Now, one of the cool things about uh, about him is, you know, he was he was an All Star, World Series champion, a Silver Slugger, and he had an MVP in there, didn't he?
0: Yeah, I believe it was with the Angels.
1: Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's in, 19, in 1979. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that going through that, I was like, wait, what?
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: he, he was pretty legit. I always just remember him being like the hit-by-pitch all-time leader. Yeah. Like, that's what I always thought of. But, you know, he had a... A lengthy nineteen season, nineteen years in the big leagues,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know had plenty of of postseason experience with Baltimore and the Angels in Boston and Minnesota and oh everywhere he went, it was hey get on our team helps in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that was really cool to see about Don Baylor and then. We flip to his managerial career and he started uh, with the Rockies in the 1993 season and was with them till the 1998 season. And then he went on to manage the Cubs for three years. and then he went into a lot of like uh, bench coach hitting coach uh-huh. um, positions. Uh-huh. In his career, and making making a trip back to Colorado in 2010.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But that was that was his uh, <laughs> yeah. his quick roundup. It was it was it was interesting because it like it's kind of weird. He he wasn't a, he never played for the Rockies, and so looking at his,
0: uh-huh.
1: I, I never knew he played for the Orioles. I remember thinking of him as California Angel. I think mm. that's where any pictures or things that I saw was that, and I think that that goes along with the fact that he was a he was an MVP one year.
0: Yeah. Then ultimately, in his Rockies uniform, managed 909 games. Uh, I did find the stat you can find on Baseball Reference: ten ejections for Don Baylor as a manager. I had a win loss record of 440 wins to 469 losses. One postseason appearance, they went 1-3. and He was the 1995 National League Manager of the Year. We'll get into that. And then as a hitting coach, 2009-2010, this is another one we'll get into. The hitting stats, this is what the team did underneath him. 262 average, 340 on base, 433 slugging. They averaged 4.86 runs per game. They had 2,860 hits. 363 home runs and 1,501 RBIs in his two years as their hitting coach. So he, he knew what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I wish we could get those kind of stats nowadays.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's trying to figure out like, where, where exactly can we start when we're talking about Don Baylor. And I think the big thing maybe is to touch a little bit more on before he – even be, gets to the Rockies, and what kind of molded him throughout his life, leading up to and something they found in that research. Uh, he grew up in that you know, rough time in the you know in the '60s, where was a lot of racism, and that's how <laughs> for a lot of racism and dealing with that in Texas, where he was part of I think the first group of inter- when integration starts to happen in the schools. He's part of that first wave, and starts getting integrated into the sports teams where initially they only had like a couple of spots for the, for the black kid players, like oh a couple of them, but ultimately he like pretty much forces his way onto the, onto these teams and excels in football and basketball uh, and baseball, especially, which I think was his, his big sport that he, that he really loved because he dealt with a lot of injuries that kind of hindered that football career where I think he had a scholarship, Dustin, to University of Texas that would have made him the first black player in school history. But he's like, no, I, I think my future's in baseball. And so he gets drafted by the Orioles instead of going on this other alternate path where he goes on to play football and who knows what happens.
1: Yeah, and that's... I think he made he made the right move for sure. Mm-hmm. But that I think that resilience in Don Baylor... And going through that and, and, and rising above it. And, I, and I, I know for sure that that, that was not easy mm-hmm. thing to do at that time. And you know, it, it's hard to, to imagine, you know, how, how would it be going out there? Even though he, he produced as a, as a high school kid, like, what else was he going on? What else was he dealing with? yeah during the school day and and getting out there to the ball field
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. he he said in an article on mlb.com once there were times that it wasn't real pleasant i got into a few fisticuffs but i made a lot of friends it was harder in baseball because i could hear the things people were yelling it was harder to hear while playing football and basketball but there were some towns around austin that weren't real fun trips but the the thing i noticed in a lot of research on him is he and we talk about that resilience, and you no, know, that's something that you no know, you and I can't ever relate to or fully understand. We're as pale as they come. But Don Baylor having to go through this, but I think the big thing is he was able to, you no, know, not let it bring him down. He was able to continue to rise above it and not let it weigh him down. And I think this is something I notices in the sentence that I wrote. It says Baylor never forgot the racial slurs, taunts, and fights. But he never let his own pride consume him into a gall of bitterness at the ignorance of those times. In fact, he would laugh at it. He wasn't going to let those things get in the way of what he wanted to accomplish in his life. And I think that kind of just encapsulates just the way he carried himself as a as a as a man and as an individual during those times and throughout his life. As, as one tough dude.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I I it makes me think of movie forty two with Jackie yeah. Robinson and even that in that I was like, man, I it's, it's some of those scenes that makes me super uncomfortable is like, I can't imagine what actually being there in the things like 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 he says it especially in the high school in the high mm-hmm. school field, you got parents right up against the fence. Yeah. Right up next to the dugout. And in those t- nobody would say anything.
0: Mm-hmm
1: anyone and it it uh you imagine but then luckily gets drafted by the Orioles there's a way out. Mm -hmm. This is a path not only that you know opens up the door maybe to help provide for him and his 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 own family, but a way to get out and see the world, the different parts of the country and gets drafted by the Orioles. So that's Mm -hmm. that's that's pretty cool. Pretty cool story, um, his beginning there yeah. in baseball,
0: and then you know he goes through his minor league career, and you know, there's a lot of growing there before he eventually makes his debut. But you no, know, going through that adversity of the game of being humbled and having to figure out how to hit and everything, and you no, know, was he goes to Puerto Rico, I think in 1970 after the 1970 season, and his manager there was Orioles, famed Orioles player, Frank Robinson, who was the manager there. And I don't know what he's doing. He was still playing baseball, so I guess he's part-time managing down in Puerto Rico. <laughs> but he, Wild times. Yeah, crazy times back then. But it that begins a blossoming of a friendship and a mentorship with Frank Robinson, which then you can look at how Frank Robinson posed himself, played the game, you can see those influences on on Don Baylor throughout his life and his career, where it may not have been like a, a Hall of Fame career, but it was one of those things we talked about. He's a Hall of Fame person with Don Baylor, and that, French, that friendship, mentorship just carried him throughout his life, and you know, influenced a lot of the, the ways he coached, the way he played. I think him being with Frank Robinson early on in his career set the stage for everything else when... Than when he got his opportunities,
1: yeah, we can't we can't slouch on his on his even his his playing stats. He was an MVP. He batted what is it was two sixty for his career. Not bad. <laughs> he hit a hit a baseball to play in the majors for nineteen seasons. Well, it was, it was more like seventeen because his first couple of years just a just barely a handful of games Um, but you know he 366 doubles he had 2,000 hits and 338 home runs 1200 RBI Uh sticks out for me 185 stolen bases
0: yeah sneaky fast
1: was, he had 50 <laughs> he had 52 steals in 1976.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's but he's still...
0: it, kind of along those lines of kind of like a five tool player. Like he had those bits and pieces throughout his career. Maybe they didn't all hit it at the same time, but he had those elements in him.
1: And here's here's this the biggest stat and the one like I said before that I remember Don ba- Baylor about Hit by a pitch, two hundred and sixty-seven times. Mm-hmm. Oh man! <laughs> it was like that's a good, it's a good thing. And add in another five. Let's see, five from the playoffs. But guy was a tank. Yeah. Crowded the plate. Wasn't afraid of... I, I like to you see, know, like. Probably those interviews and stuff with him, like, what was his mentality at the plate? Mm -hmm. After getting hit that many, leading the league, hit by pitch every season, like, he had Mm -hmm. nerves of steel.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He led the league in hit by pitches eight times in his career. (laughs) So, almost half that career, he led the league.
1: That's the days that they didn't even have the protective arm cover and the... Mm -hmm all that body armor they have nowadays.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, look at it too. I think the big thing is like he just had impeccable plate discipline and aggressive. Like this is my plate. <laughs> ownership over it where he struck out. He didn't strike out a ton. He had, I think he was another one of those had more walks than strikeouts in his career. I had the stat here. Yeah, he struck out Oh, well, it was a close one. He struck out 1,069 times and walked 805 times. So a pretty small margin, like 200 walks difference. He was fearless <laughs> hustling player that was fearless on the base paths and in the batter's box. So he, <laughs> wherever he went, he was respected around the game, I think. And clubhouses, like you mentioned before, like teams wanted him. Like If they had a chance to make a run, well, we want Don Baylor. He's going to help us. And that's what the twins did that led them to a World Series. And yeah, throughout his career, that he was as he got older too, he started to turn into that I'm the clubhouse leader, I'm gonna get on guys, I'm gonna police things, and commanded the respect of his of his peers. And you know, that's what you can what you do when you play nineteen years and a big a big performance wherever you went.
1: And I think those little things is, I, I wonder how many former coaches or former teammates already saw during his playing days the makings of a major league manager. Mm-hmm. Because Don Baylor, before he became the Rockies, had no coaching experience, no 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 managing Yeah, experience. not
0: managing. He was the hitting coach in milwaukee from 1990 and 1991 and then the hitting coach for the cardinals in 1992 and he had been interviewing for managerial positions and just not materializing for any anywhere and until the rockies came calling in 1993 prior to that but even then in milwaukee and st louis making huge impacts and I, this is where we can now start to Get into the bulk of this where he's actually with the Rockies, but one of the big ones with the Brewers, one guy that was there, a young outfielder that you know, was, was had potential, but he just wasn't getting that full playing time commitment from the Brewers. Uh, ended up coming over to the Rockies in 1993 as a big bashing outfielder, one Dante Bichette. who was <laughs> they crossed paths there, and I think the. One story that I love is from Manny Rendawa's book about the Blake Street Bombers, where they're hanging out in a. I think they're in Boston, and Dante goes over to the gym right next to Fenway to go work out or do something, and he sees a girl there that he's like, oh, she's pretty cute, but he's too scared to talk to her, which is funny to think with Dante Bichette. (laughs) But he comes back and tells Don, be like, yeah, tells him about this experience and. Ba- don baylor made him go back to the go back to that gym and talk to her ask her out and uh they eventually got married in 1993 and i believe we're still married today <laughs> <laughs> buddy thanks groove yeah <laughs> smooth now what you gotta do um but it another one this is what uh dante recalls it says don baylor pulled me aside one day when we were in milwaukee And he said to me, you don't realize how good you are. When you figure this thing out, you're going to run this league. You're going to be the best player in this league. And uh, to which Bichette later recalls, God bless him. I owe Don Baylor a lot. He was put into my life for a reason. And another of those instances, a coach and a friend, no seeing potential in somebody and then, no able to pull that out, pull that out of one of his players.
1: Yeah, that's because once Dante Bichette gets to Colorado especially
0: 1995,
1: mm-hmm. he just – he's one of the all-time Rockies, you know, mm-hmm. offensively. Yeah. But having, a, having a coach, Don Baylor, and, it, and that was cool is that he had some connections to some of these – rockies before the, before the team was made or anything and as he gets put in his manager gets in some guys that he knew about that maybe mm-hmm. were under the radar and was able to get that potential out of them mm-hmm. you know to max them out under his under his uh mentorship
0: yeah i think it was dom baylor was one of those first ones or uh, dante was one of those first ones like but Don Baylor's like, Ooh, we should, we need to get this guy. He's going to do a lot of good for our team. And I think what was nice with that connection is <laughs> even more connections. Bob Gebhard, Rocky's GM at the time, had actually uh, been involved, was with the Milwaukee or with the Minnesota Twins, and was part of that trade, those talks to bring Don Baylor over to the Twins on the way to their World Series win. So there was already that connection there brings him over. And then Dante brings that expertise, that experience of other players to, to bring into the fold. Crazy stuff.
1: Well, thank goodness he did, Yeah. but out of and the articles there read that they said they had, they started out with a list of 12 candidates and brought in the top four for interviews that, they were like, no, nah, Don Baylor's our guy.
0: Yeah. Like what Bob Gibbard said after the hiring, despite Baylor's lack of managing, because this was his first, you know, he was bringing in a brand new manager for a brand new team. Like, what are they doing? This guy doesn't have any managing experience. To which Bob Gibbard said, I'm willing to roll the dice because I know the man. And I think that was <laughs> big thing, and I think that was Big thing for a ton of people is they knew who he was as a person and as a player, the command he could respect. And that's what a lot of these other quotes from guys you know, Bob Watson was the assistant GM of the Astros at the time and a, his former hitting coach in Oakland. I tip my hat to Bob Gebhardt for giving him the opportunity. I had a chance to work with Don in Oakland and felt he was on his way to becoming a general manager or club president. So you mentioned earlier, like, Did they get hints of that? Like, yes, his hitting coach got that hint from him in Oakland. But he added on, I don't think there will be pressure to win as much as to develop young players, and I think Don will do that. He commands respect. Not a bad quote. Former second baseman Bobby Gritch, who was a teammate of Don Baylor's with the Angels and Orioles, and was one of his closest friends, Said he had wanted to manage for a long time. He had the opportunity to play under a lot of different managers with a lot of different styles. And I'm sure that helped him develop a style of his own. Described him as a man of quiet strength, who is fair, tough, and aggressive.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Also said he treats everyone the same, from the clubhouse kid to the superstar. He has no nonsense approach. If the situation called for extra batting practice, he was there. If the situation called for extra work of any kind, he was there. I think he'll demand that of his players and get it trying to look for some other ones yeah those were some of the main ones that I had found just a lot of people praising the move like yeah this just makes sense it just makes sense to hire Don Baylor like he's the perfect man for the job just because he commands respect he'll get the most out of out of whatever he's given
1: well that's I think that's cool is a brand new team starting you know out of nothing and having that opportunity i'm sure there's people that wanted some seasoned veteran manager to come in and and it's it's really crazy these expand when these expansion teams come about everybody's new you know you might have a couple guys that you know and the whole thing about it, the expansion draft that you get selected to put on this team and they just put it all together he had you know that's a, is a pretty the coaches that were with him, you know, he had Don Zimmer who had been in baseball uh-huh. for a bazillion years and <laughs> these, these other older, um, older baseball, yeah, you know, these guys that have been in baseball for a while and even looking at them, I'm like, how did they put these guys together?
0: <laughs> Ken Griffey it was, seniors here.
1: Yeah. That's just those like weird things. It's like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can just imagine the, the transition from playing days and being a bench coach or a hitting coach is totally different than the head guy. Mm-hmm. And now you're in front of the media every day and trying to get to know all these brand new players and all these guys putting them together but that first season, you know, playing at mile high and there's 80,000 people and it's just bumping because baseball's in Denver.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we get the, you know, and they, did they have the best of year that year? <laughs> no. eh, not quite. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> a little rough. <laughs> yeah. he. <laughs> they were a pretty common thing that we're used to now is they were projected uh, to lose 100 games but don Baylor being the competitive individual he was says my goal is to teach them how to win and how the game should be played. People say we're going to lose 100 games. It's not my competitive spirit to simply accept that. They avoided 100 losses that year uh, and managed to do so until 2023. So, they were on a good 30 streak run before they lost 100 games.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, looking at looking at his stats as a manager, the first two the first year was rough. But then the 1994 strike field season, they still won 53 games. They're 53 and 64. And so they, you know, they they were hovering, you know, Mm kind of close, trying to get up there to 500. And then 1995 is when it all clicked. And he wins manager of the year. Uh, The Rockies become the fastest expansion team to make it to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And then we have two straight seasons of 83 wins where they were, you know, th- that was good Rockies baseball. If they had a little more pitching, they, you know, could have made some, could have made it into the playoffs and done things, mm-hmm. you know, made some more noise. And then 1998, still 77 wins, 85 losses. They were hovering close to 500. Mm-hmm. And then, they, you know, they decided to, to part ways and the Rockies go through a very hard time of finding successful managing.
0: Yeah, and I think that was, I think Don Baylor represents that initial old school baseball approach the Rockies were going to try to take where it's okay, we got to get veteran free agents and signings. Who cares about our farm system? We need to build a team to win now because we're getting all this attendance. We can't, you know, we can't uh, fail these people that are coming and supporting us these fans have been great. We need to do, we need to win something for them. And uh, it it's probably part of that competitive spirit that Don Baylor brought to the table. Where he's like, yeah, we want to win now. That's the goal and play the game right and learn, but we want to win now. And I think a, a big part of that is that influence on the players. Even the established ones, you know, Andres Galarraga was one of the first ones he reached out to, to bring to the team because he was his hitting coach in St. Louis, finds him crying under the bleachers at Bush Stadium, and pulls him aside and, like, no, Galarraga was finally ready to listen to some advice, opens up his stance, the rest is history, for Andres Galarraga. But uh, following that 1995 season, uh, Dante Bichette turned down a three-year $10 million contract from the Rockies, and was contemplating a deal to Japan at some point and like was no, he figured he was done when the Rockies signed or it was after 1994 and he was figuring like after they signed Larry Walker, you know, (laughs) he was almost about to leave. He's like, Oh, they signed Larry Walker. I guess I'm out of here. But it was Don Baylor that personally called him. And he said, the only reason I signed back with the Rockies right there was because Don Baylor called me personally. I owed him because he gave me an opportunity to play first of all. There was no way I wasn't going to play for him when he called. So, (laughs) and then what does Bichette go on to do in that 1995 season? Finishes second. Monster season. Finishes second in MVP voting, 664 slugging, 340 average, 40 homers, 128 RBIs. If not for his defense, probably would have won MVP. But all because Don Baylor called him up, like, man, we need you, don't leave.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that was the, looking back at those 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 Blake Street Bomber days with with all those guys, and and Baylor as the manager. It was pretty much just like having, yeah, they had had a, a hitting coach they also had Don Baylor. Mm-hmm. And you look at it, everywhere that he went, teams hit. Mm-hmm. And and found ways to hit, which is which is awesome. It's like I said, when when Don Baylor was around, you didn't have to worry about your team not scoring runs. Yeah. <laughs> not getting on base.
0: <laughs> Just had to worry about his team giving up a ton of runs.
1: but that's that's totally out of his control. But, you know, that's when we talk about, like I said before, when I think of the Rockies and I think of the managers, Don Baylor always comes up first for me, Uh, an intense looking guy, but with a with a huge smile. I love seeing those those pictures and 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 him being there you know, with those early Rockies uniforms Uh and that was, that was our guy.
0: Uh Yeah. And (laughs) he was certainly the right guy to bring in an expansion, to bring an expansion team together. Bob Gibbard said he laid the groundwork of what professional baseball needed to be in Denver. And his impact still resonates with that franchise today. And I think that's the biggest thing they tried to keep him around after, relieving him of his duties after 1998 wanted to keep him in the front office as like a club vice president. He's like, no, I want to keep coaching. And so he goes, helps out the Atlanta Braves helps, a some guy named Chipper Jones turn into an MVP candidate, goes over to Chicago and helps them out a bunch, all kinds of stuff. But they said everywhere he went success of some kind followed. And, you know, more than deserving of that ninety-five Manager of the Year award, first Rocky to win that. I think everywhere he went, the success followed just because of who he was as a person, his mentality when it came to playing baseball, aggressive and fearless. And I, Bob Piperhart, that's the foundation the Rockies need: is don't be afraid. You no, know, to heck with the altitude. Don't be afraid of it. Got to have that strong mentality.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, he, he stayed in baseball after the Rockies. And, and that's what I remember. I remember when he, when he was released, when he was fired after the 98 season. And it just felt like, well, okay, well, time to move on. It, you know, it, it felt like the Rockies, they just couldn't get over the hump or back over even though they had they had some superstars, and you know, it was we had Larry Walker doing his thing, and we had Todd Helton just come up, and it just wasn't enough. There, like we said, time and time again, just the pitching wasn't there, and the Rockies felt they needed to go in a different direction managerially, and it was rough. But but Don Baylor staying in baseball. From the rockies he goes to atlanta like he said helps out chipper jones he goes over to the mets for a couple of seasons goes to the mariners for another year then he comes back to the rockies as a hitting coach and get things back on track and then he goes to the diamondbacks Mm -hmm. i'm not too fond of (laughs) and then he goes to the angels and and finishes out you know retires there in in 2015. Hmm.
0: But and he was a TV analyst for the Nationals in there too for 2007.
1: Yeah. And so man, that guy was a baseball, he was a major league lifer. Hmm. Awesome. You imagine just everything that he was able to do and see and the players that he worked with throughout his career. It's pretty amazing. But I hmm. <laughs> we talk about memories and I the one that I'm like, when another memory that I think of Don Baylor, bless his heart when he's ready to catch a warm-up pitch. When he's with the Angels. Yeah, he's the catching Becks. the
0: ceremonial first pitch with the Angels from Vladimir Guerrero.
1: Oh, no. no.
0: And breaks his leg. Oh, no. yes,
1: And he still tried to walk it off.
0: Yeah that's the toughness Ooh. of Don Baylor
1: Yeesh. <laughs> man that is one that I look at I'm like oh, you know Don but that's like that's why if anybody's like be this, catch the ceremonial first pitch I'm good <laughs> <laughs> unless it's like a super old lady that's gonna underarm it but
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah speaking of of memories we reached out to people on on Twitter and there's a couple of wool memories some people shared. Uh, former Rocky, uh, Danny Schaefer, and in the initial post said, Groove was awesome to play for. The man had his players' backs. Which, even just through research and studying of him, pretty easy to believe that. Uh, but some others, Owen Seton says, He got rid of the black alternate jerseys the first season after they lost the first few times they wore them. I have donned black jersey from that first season. Yeah, people forget that the Rockies had like a regular black sleeves jersey before the vests. And hey, I wouldn't mind that one coming back.
1: Bring them back. Bring them back.
0: If you if, if you don't want your vests anymore, bring back the black alternates. The Mets did it. But uh with purple pinstripes. Ooh. <laughs> but uh Nate uh, Rocktober19 over on Twitter. Always uh, interacting with stuff on there. He said, First MLB game I ever attended was the Rockies' inaugural season at Old Mile High versus the Giants. Baylor must have must have been miffed at something that transpired the previous game because when he came out of the, with the lineup card, he started giving them an earful. He was soon tossed and then proceeded to belly bump the umpire down the entire third base line. Pretty sure the game started in a delay. Barry Bonds parked three homers after the game. I of eight years old asked my dad what the umpire said to Baylor when he was yelling to which six-year-old brother sarcastically replied, probably have a nice night. Go away. <laughs> probably not his proudest moment, but it is my first thought of him and probably is, is my first of him and probably the most memorable. It's <laughs> 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 a good one. Uh, also, a. Uh, Drew Creaseman of believe, Mile High Sports I uh, said, Don Baylor is the most important non-player Rocky ever, or he's at least up there. A lot of their, like Bobby Abhard's up there, Kelly McGregor, just those guys behind the scenes that made a huge impact. And I think for Don Baylor, a lot more out front. Uh, another person, a great manager for the team, especially in their early years. And a lot of people just like yeah they love don baylor they miss him he's a just an influential one i think like you're saying that first memory he's the first rockies manager technically the first rocky in a sense the first one that would be the first dugout rocky would be don baylor interesting stuff but he has that stint comes back it's the hitting coach and everything goes off on his career. but I think this is the thing that was always surprising the most to me and I think speaks a lot about to his character still and just the way he life is in 2003. he was diagnosed with multiple uh, myeloma disease he battled quietly until you no know, he would pass away from it in 2017. but it was something that he just kept to himself people didn't really know about it. And battled it for himself for years. And uh, Kirk Gibson, Tigers and Dodgers World Series hero, said he may be the toughest guy I was ever around. How he endured with what he had, nobody would outloyal Don Baylor. Uh, his agent said Don had the heart of a lion and a true champion who always put others before himself, as he gave so much to so many in and out of baseball. He was the definition of a true angel. And I think this was the the big one to do my research that was really cool is he did a lot of charity work. I think that's something to that It's it his nineteen years. he was doing all kinds of stuff, Dustin, and another on the table. ton of uh, of charity work. And uh, Bonnie Downing, who is a sixteen year survivor of multiple uh, myeloma, shared her own battle with Baylor after his diagnosis. Finally meeting him in person in spring training. And while she was a spokesman for the disease, Baylor chose to silently fight the battle. He was so selfless. She said that he didn't want to be a spokesman about his own illness. He wanted to instead talk about his work with cystic fibrosis. He said, I can't leave these kids. He was more concerned about them than himself. Yeah. And it just keeps going on. There's a lot of these, these other ones, you know, Joe Morgan, Hall of Famer says he was a guy who always cared more about everyone else but himself. He kept a lot of that pain inside and didn't tell anybody how he was hurting. He opened a lot of doors for African Americans in baseball, always trying to help. When he became the manager of the Rockies and had the success he did, he made it possible for others to get a managerial opportunity, and when they succeeded, he was happier for them than himself. And then lastly, uh, one last one here from Frank Robinson who spoke at his funeral says, I wasn't too friendly with too many people in baseball and I don't say too many nice things about them, but there's nothing I can stand here and say bad about our friend Don Baylor. This is a tough time for me because I became very close with Donnie, not from when we were seeing each other every day, but in my heart, I cherished the man's friendship and I cherished him as a person. So I think that kind of just sums up his entire career and the life of Don Baylor is just, (laughs) just a, Good man with a good heart that was competitive, I'm sure and fiery as all get out, but genuinely cared about other people and you no know, what better guy to have as your manager than someone who cares deeply about you.
1: Yeah, and that that uh sadly that in in on August seventh 2017 he did pass away at age 68 um after that long battle uh with cancer and it's it's unfair you know any of that mm-hmm. dealing with that kind of illness but it, like he's like he said he been doing that since 2003 that fight and did it quietly probably the, his close circle knew what he was mm-hmm. going through and he was in baseball doing all that stuff. And all the time, these players and, and baseball guys that, that realize there's more than baseball with scenes. And he was, he was a Roberto Clemente Award winner in 1985. Uh-huh. And doing those things. And, and you think back at this, this young kid. Texas uh-huh. he was able to do overcome so much and do so much to give back of everything that baseball gave the, you know gave him the opportunity to do and to still think about somebody else
0: hmm uh-huh. so, yeah and I like that do- uh, I like that quote he said where no he didn't want to talk about his he wanted to talk about his work with the cystic fibrosis. And, they you know, focus on those kids that were dealing with that. You know, <laughs> I can't abandon them. You know, I, I, they need my help still. <laughs> you no, know, that type of that, that thing where it's like, to heck with my problems. These people need my help too. And I'm going to do what I can for them. And you can see that throughout his life where he wasn't going to let anything stop him from doing what he wanted to do. And doing what he needed to do whether it be an, an illness, racism, whatever it was, he wasn't going to let it stop him. And no, out pitching at altitude or playing at altitude, he wasn't going to let any challenge stop him from, from achieving his goals or doing what he wanted to accomplish. And helping
1: push others, like you, like you said in, in some of those stories, he saw something good, push somebody towards it. Dante Bichette, go talk to that girl. Grace mm-hmm. Galarraga. <laughs> Under the stadium, crying. The natural man could just grow up, bro.
0: Uh-huh. You
1: know, going over and be like, let's work through this. What's going on? Mm. And guys respecting him enough to make those those changes. Carlos Gonzalez talked about the impact Don Baylor had with him is when he got traded over to the Rockies. And... Him as a hitting coach, as a mentor, just for the one year, the two years, made a huge impact on Carlos Gonzalez. Is again another all time Rocky.
0: hmm Yeah, and that's that mark of a true leader. And research every clubhouse he went to, even when he was younger. Like he wasn't the oldest guy in the clubhouse, and he was the leader. He was taking charge in the clubhouse. And, you know, talking to guys, guiding them and getting the most out of whoever was around him. There's those special people in life that have been in, in history that have just been a, you know, a focal point of just goodness that comes to others that they gravitate to. And they just show these qualities and characteristics that just make them this magnet that people want to come towards. And they receive the, the light from them, the guidance from them and I think he was just one of those epitome of it and we were lucky enough to have him in Colorado for the from the get-go for those first for that first decade almost or those first few years in the 90s when they're getting their feet under him he set the tone and you can still even see some of that influence throughout the years when he wasn't with the team anymore that mentality that culture he established you can still see hints of it throughout the years of the team, trying to, to follow that mentality that Don Baylor established. Yep, that's
1: pretty much for me to to wrap it up about him. Is again, there needs to be something when we're talking Rockies Hall of Fame. Got to be in there. And
0: yeah, it's,
1: you know, it, it's it's probably a little late to throw his initial or retire his twenty five number. No, I, don't, I can't think of anybody else that's Warden 25.
0: C.J. Crone. <laughs> Jacob Stallings now.
1: The original 25 for me. Yeah. <laughs> it will be Don Baylor. And we're lucky to have him. And like we said, he was a perfect piece to start out the Rockies' existence. And to strive to, you know, looking for guys of good character like that, mm-hmm. and the impact that they have not only in baseball, but those around them, and out there in the community, doing things that are bigger, bigger than themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm just grateful that Don Baylor was part of that. And when I think again, Rockies managers,
0: Don Baylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some the Rockies ever which hopefully they do because I think all those other expansion teams have one. Now diamondbacks are getting one devil Ray or not devil rays. The rays have one. Well, That's the Marlins. I think are getting one or already have one, but just a team hall of fame. And he's in first ballot, first class, get him in there, a plaque, whatever it needs to be to, to immortalize him at Coors field and in Rocky's history more than Iori's, and maybe something a little more established because I don't think the Rockies are successful or managed to stick around and build a fan base without Don Baylor.
1: Yeah. You don't, the history of the Rockies could be completely different yeah. if it wasn't him.
0: Yeah. If they don't have that awesome 95 season, you know, who knows if 2007 ever comes around? You no, know, we're just stuck in a perpetual rebuild of. They never quite do anything.
1: <laughs> stuck like in ground, Groundhog's Day that we've been the last few years. Yeah, but
0: awesome, and I think that's gonna bring this episode of Every Rocky Ever to a close. Appreciate you tuning in, and those that shared their their thoughts about Don Baylor, and keep sharing them. Comments of this episode, uh, wherever you find it. Or when we posted on Twitter at Every Rocky Ever, you can always check that out, and, and continue sharing your thoughts about these players. Keep that conversation going. Rockies may not have a Hall of Fame, so we can step in and, and fill that void for the time being. But uh, you can find me at Silent Underscore Crowd on Twitter. Uh, I guess Threads is a thing. I'm trying to do more Instagram stuff. Uh, also for at Rocky Mtn Rooftop. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Trying to do more stuff there, too. And you can always follow Dustin over on Twitter at Mr. T Spanish. He doesn't do anything on there, but hey, you can follow him.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much just my source of looking up like baseball transactions and yeah. pitch, pitching ninja videos and <laughs> and the Avalanche stuff. But yeah. <laughs> it's all good.
0: Yeah, a follow's a follow. Sir. But and also like and subscribe here on YouTube or follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, and let us know. Hopefully, give us a start five star review would be much appreciated. Uh, we'll take four and a half, four at the least. <laughs> but that'll do it here. This one, as always, appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time here on Every Rocky Ever. I'm skyler That's Dustin. Farewell. Farewell.